All right, this is what we're looking at. This is what's in your hands at this time. So we want everybody to follow us very closely here. I'm going to get right into the Word of God here uh, tonight. So this is God's gift to mankind, God's gift to mankind. And I want you to turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to start out here, and I want you to look at with us in the first chapter in verse 9. First chapter, verse 9, I'm going to read 9 and 10, and then go to the third chapter. Ecclesiastes 1, 9 and 10. The things that have been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time which was before us. In addition with that, this is still in the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read over here in the third chapter in the 14th verse, 14 and 15. It's just one page over in your Bibles. And uh, this is Solomon who was writing this. And Solomon was writing it after he had concluded about all the things he had studied in life, what it all boils down to. He says here in 314, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. That which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been, and God requireth that which is past. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit here of understanding here of what this is referring to, and uh, I want you to look at what we've talked about under the examples here. Number one here, the amazing achievements of the human race. The amazing achievements of the human race have come about by discovering the deeper things of God's creation. In other words, for man to have discovered all the things that he has in advanced civilization like he has, it's along the way he has discovered things that already existed that God gave him the understanding of. So I want you to look with me here in A, examples. And uh, I want you to look here, number one, the telephone. The telephone was designed after the ear. When men began to study how the ear operated and how the, the sound waves went and how it traveled and so forth, and studying the ear, they were able to develop the telephone. This is only one example. Number two, the camera. The camera is designed after the human eye, how the eye operates, how it works, how it takes a picture and how it sees and how it's recorded. And so the camera was developed as studying how the human eye works. Another example here is three here is the airplane, the bird, the bird flies. So if the bird flies, how does he fly? And I know he flaps his wings, but there's more to it. There's, there's gliding and there's the air currents. When man began to study that, he developed a way that he could fly the plane. As long as he had the engine that can pull it and so forth, 
He flew the, and he developed the airplane. Uh, as you well know, it started out very simple and then became very complex as it is today. Uh, number four, heavy equipment. This is interesting, heavy equipment. Uh, I understand, I don't, I don't know if this is the case or not, but Caterpillar, is it still in Peoria, Illinois? Is that, it used to be the headquarters of Caterpillar in Peoria, Illinois. Did anybody out there know? Uh, okay. But I think it's still, I think that's still the headquarters of, but Caterpillar, when it was just starting out, the, the man who devised the company and started that company was praying and asking God to show him how he could move heavy objects and move around a lot of stuff. And as he was praying, he looked down and he saw an insect moving a big piece of a crumb or an ant or a bug or something, moving a big piece of crumb of some type. And he studied that thing and he said, if I can learn from the insects that God has put in them, then I can study and learn how to move these big objects. And he began to do that. And he came up with one machine, then later another machine, and then another one, and developed the company of Caterpillar. And, of course, from there, other companies began to develop somewhat similar things. I can remember as a young man, a, a boy actually growing up in Miami, and I can remember them, they had a building boom going in that city back then. And I can remember these, these, all these machineries and hauling dirt and picking it up and moving and stacking it and, and doing a whole big project and laying the foundation for it all, all the machines running. And I remember looking at all of them and thinking how odd they all looked. Whoever, whoever thought about making something look so odd and so ridiculous? But a guy decided to study how God would move, a little insect would move something bigger than he is. And so he developed again. This is just the caterpillar story. Uh, heavy equipment is back. Velcro. Uh, Velcro was devised from a little seed. If you've ever walked in the woods sometimes and these little things will stick on your socks, they'll stick on your, even your shoelaces. I got a piece in here to show you for an example. Uh, this is a commercial status of it, but Velcro was designed from that little seed. A man began to study that little seed, a creation of God. It's been around forever. And finally he looked at it and said, Boy, that thing can stick to things. What makes it stick? And here's, here's Velcro here. This is Velcro and this is this stuff here and it, it don't stick to anything. This won't stick to anything. But if you put these together, they stick like that. And that's the commercial. This is a commercial, dude. This is going to be able to, boy, there I go again. I can, yeah, leave it up to me. Oh my goodness. And, and so I'm trying to get over here to this, to this camera here where I can show it to you. Put it under the light. You be over here close to me. All right. Just, just get the light back on or have it. Okay. Anyhow, this, <laughs> this is Velcro. You know what it is. Velcro is this very common thing. And by itself, it, it, you know, they don't, everybody, they put them together and, and, one thing is, uh, and what it is, is the little tiny stems with a little hook on it. And that little hook will hook into certain material. 
Now, this won't stick to all material. It won't stick to this suit or nothing or this tie that I know of. But I have some objects at home. I'd stuck it on there and it'd stick to it, and I had a hard time pulling it off. And so I'm just trying to tell you here today that this was a thing that has been around since way back there. You understand what I'm saying? This Velcro. And the list goes on and on. These were inventions of man. We could talk about many things. Thank you. Thank you. We could talk about many things that uh, man has invented and that they were things that God had already had in place and all they had to do was to study those things and they could come up with it and so forth. The problem that happens, though, is that men will say, it's us that did it. It's me. I'm smart. I'm genius. I'm, I'm a whiz. I'm, oh, I'm really something, you know. Now, some men have said, no, you know, I found this like the caterpillar guy. He said, I prayed and God showed that to me. And there are a lot of people who have said that God has, you know, led, been their leader and showed them certain things. I understand John Deere, the founder of John Deere Tractor Company, made a promise to God he'd give God 90%, he'd keep 10%. And his company began to grow like crazy when he did that. And I don't know if he stayed with that. I don't know if that continued to happen, but that was one of his stories. I'm just trying to tell you here today that going back here to this thing about uh, these secrets of God that God has along the way allowed man to understand. I understand that the automobile is designed that type of the human body. There has, to be, uh, there has to be intake of, of fuel. There has to be an exhaust system. There has to be a cooling system. All of that is in the human body. And when men began to try to develop the automobile, they thought about how does the human body operate or any kind of a body of any kind of an animal. How does it operate? And so they began to design the car after that. And so they came up later with the car. And then from there, they go from one to the other and they get more sophisticated with it. Now, I'm saying all of that to say here that when he, the Bible talks in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Folks, God has already established everything. He's established it. Now, I want to go a little bit further because while man as a whole will try to find out the secret things of life and the secret things that's in this world and peer deeper into it and study it more where they can develop uh, what we call civilization, more advanced and so forth, God is interested in us, interested in us going further and more into the things of the spiritual things of God. Because within those natural things are also spiritual understandings. And I want to talk to you a little bit about God's desire for us to look into the spiritual things. Now, uh, look at part B here. And then I'm going to move on to number two. By studying God's creation, his wisdom in these things, men are able to advance the human race and the natural things. Now, going to number two here. But God wants to reach further than just natural things. Notice that. He wants us to reach for and receive the spiritual things. God has spiritual things that he wants us to reach for. If God can have natural things and men would study those things, 
How much more so can we study this, the things of God? And everything is in this word. It's in the word. And if we will study the word and look at the word and search the word and seek for the wisdom in the word, God can, can show us spiritual things, can give us spiritual leadership, can help us to walk in a deeper walk with him and understand what God wants to do in the human life and how he wants to change man so that man doesn't just live this life and then pass away, but that he may have eternal life, that he may have eternal life. Praise the Lord. Now, uh, he wants to reach all of us. Praise the Lord. God has a lot of a lot for us. I never will forget many years ago. Uh, in fact, I was pastoring in a little town in, called Port St. Jewel, Florida, way up in the Panhandle. It's been over 51 years ago now. I never will forget. I was in my uh, office in the church, and uh, I had a window behind me in the office went out into the vestibule and the vestibule went into the auditorium and uh, I was there by myself nobody was around I was reading the Bible and I read that scripture in James where James said if any man lack wisdom let him ask of God and I just stopped and I said God show me something in the line of wisdom would you give me wisdom in something give me wisdom in something and I turned around. This is the truth. I turned around, looked out the window, and the wind was blowing. And there was a pine tree right outside that window, just a little ways. And that pine tree was doing like this, back and forth. And the wind was blowing. It was going back and forth. It never broke, never snapped or nothing. No limbs fell off at that time. It just went back and forth. And the Lord spoke to my mind and heart and said, I made all things flexible. I made things flexible so they could survive all the elements. And I thought, man, that's wisdom. Lord, if you made things to be flexible so they can survive the onslaught of things, and even when the wind got heavy, that pine tree could still survive. I know there's a certain stage of wind blowing that it would not, but, you know, basically it's made to survive the wind blowing. And I said to myself, God, if you're trying to tell me something, I got the message. Don't be too rigid. Be flexible. We need to be flexible, praise the Lord, with God and the things of the Lord. If we're too rigid about everything, we can break, we can snap. But if we will be flexible with God, with the word of the Lord, praise the Lord, and let God's goodness and his love and mercy and grace work in our lives and our hearts, praise the Lord. God can guide and lead us and help us to get through a lot of things, get through a lot of situations, a lot of problems. God showed me that. Along about the same time, I was working a part-time job loading ships. A big paper company was in that town, and big rolls of paper that was that weighed two two tons a roll one roll weighed two tons and uh they would have these ships that came in from all over the world and buy these rolls of paper and they had a, a crane on the ship that reached over off the deck of the ship down there and where these guys were hooking on these hooks these rolls of paper somebody had to stand up on the deck 
and tell the crane guy when the, the, the paper was loaded so that they wouldn't try to pull it up before it was hooked. You understand? So that was my job. I'd standing on, I'd stand on that deck of that ship and uh, I'd look down there and look up the crane guy and he'd wait for my signal. And when I, when I, when he got it, I saw it got hooked, I look at the crane guy and I'd do like this. I mean, you pull it up now, you know, I had a signal for him. While I'm on that deck looking at it, there's, I look at the deck of that ship and it's decked with steel, sheets of steel all over that deck of that ship. Big ship made someplace, I don't know, I don't know whether it was England or, or China or France, I have no idea. And those sheets of steel were all welded together. It's the deck of the ship, hard as a, just as hard as steel. And I'm looking at all them welding joints all over that ship where that, she, that deck of that sheets of steel are welded together. And I look down and I see one that's not welded. I said, oh, my God, they forgot to weld that one. There's two of them there, one overlapping the other, and they're not welded. So one of the guys came by and I said, would you believe this? They forgot to weld this joint. Is that what happened? And he laughed and he said, no, that's intentionally left that way. I said, intentionally left that way. I said, they didn't weld these two sheets of steel together? No, he said, because when this ship is in the ocean and it gets into rough waters, if you were standing here then, you would see those sheets of st one sheet on top of the other doing like this. It, there has to be a flexibility. And if you'll notice, you're standing in the middle of the ship and that ship is, is bending and, and those, those sheets would be doing like this, rubbing each other because the ship is made flexible. And I thought, my Lord, the Lord showed me the pine tree and then he showed me this ship here that it's made flexible, praise the Lord. Man has picked up on the wisdom of God that things have to be flexible in order to survive, in order to survive. Well, that's a little, that's a little, that was for free. Let me put that. Let me move on here. I've got some good things to give you here. Now, I want you to notice here, I'm on number two here. God wants us to reach further than just natural things. He wants us to reach and to receive the spiritual things. A, his gift of grace to the church. His gift of grace to the church. This is what God, folks, are, has promised us. Now notice this. Just like God has given men the gift, the gift of understanding some of his, his creations, and by giving them knowledge of these things, they have the gift to be able to develop that into a physical and a natural object that can be used for humanity. Just like God, God has given us spiritual gifts, spiritual things. Now, notice here what I'm going to read to you. Look at Ephesians 2, uh, the, the, the gift of his grace. Ephesians 2, 4. Ephesians 2, 4. Praise God. This is what it says in 2.4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins. Now, we're talking about the spiritual things of God. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace, ye are saved. 
So we understand here from the Bible that we're saved by grace. Grace. Grace is God's goodness. It's God's favor. It's God's hand on us when we don't deserve it. Now, I'm getting somewhere with the Lord. I'm saying, my, I don't deserve all these things, but God's grace, praise the Lord, allows me to step into his throne room, to step into his presence, to be a partaker of the spiritual things of the Lord because it's the grace of God. It's God's favor, it's his goodness, and I don't even deserve it. I have no rights to it. I haven't done anything to even earn it. I have not Abraham to my father. I'm not even Jewish. I'm just a Gentile. My father, who was he? My grandfather, my great, you know, great grandfathers. Uh, I mean, I respect my dad and, and my mom and my family and all that. But I'm talking about in reality of who they are in the world. Who are they? No, they're just common, ordinary people. But God showed his grace to me and to you. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to read a little further here. It says here, even when we were dead in sins and quicken us, I'm reading verse 5, quicken us together with Christ by grace, you are saved, verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Folks, that's what church is all about. You can come from the outside in that world out there and you can have a rough, bad, mean, ugly old day. It can, everything in the world could have gone wrong and upside down for you. And I dare say that if I had a show of hands, that every one of you would say there have been times like that for me. But you can come into the house of God, and you can begin to praise the Lord, worship God, sing songs of praise unto the Lord, begin to feel his presence and his spirit, lift your hands and begin to magnify the name of the Lord. And we worship God and glorify God, praise the Lord, and we sit together in heavenly places. And this is what this is talking about, sitting together in heavenly places, verse 6. I'm going on to verse 7 here. That in the ages to come, we're talking about not just this life now, but beyond this life. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 8. For by grace are you saved. By grace are you saved. In other words, not our earning. It's a repeat of verse 5. By grace ye are saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. Now I understand that grace, the grace of God is applied by me having faith to believe God that he loves me. He cares about me and he wants me to be saved. And if the Lord wants me to be saved, Lord, here I am. Praise the Lord. And that's the grace of God. And my faith is my response to that grace. See, two people can be sitting in the church together. And they both can hear the same word of God go forth and God's spirit can move upon both of them. And one of them can say, I want what God has for me. The other one can say, oh, I'm not interested this time. I got a lot of things I want to do. I want to go out in the world. I want to do flitting around the world and try to do this, do this, do this, do that. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give up that in the world. And they walk out the door and they never get saved. What happened? The grace of God was to both of them. To both. But one of them through faith. So faith comes from our hearts. It is our response to God's grace. 
Praise the Lord. It's not just enough for God's grace to be there. The grace of God is for the whole world. But faith is our response to God's grace. You see, I'm telling you something here that God wants us to know that's deeper than just saying, Oh, Lord, you reveal some wonderful things about civilization and how cars drive and all that. You're showing us a little bit about eternal life. Because God wants all of us to be saved and live in eternity. Praise God. Praise God. God's way and his truth is wonderful. Now, this is in Ephesians. I want you to go to Romans 1.19. Romans 1.19. This is somewhat of a confirmation of what we just said here. Romans 1.19 and 20. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, from the creation of the world, invisible things of him from the creation are clearly seen that are made, things that are made, folks. You, I don't know how to say it, but everything that God has made, there is wisdom and knowledge and understanding in it if we will look at it and see the handiwork of God and the beauty of God and how God does things. I have sit on my patio and just watch the birds and watch. We get them big old, uh, big old, uh, the big old uh, birds that come in our yard sometimes. And the little birds that fly around, sparrows. We get, you know, lizards that run around and flowers that are growing and plants. And I look at those things. Now, everything is different. Everything has got the wisdom of God in it, though. I was watching this plant grow. It was growing like this. And the next thing I got so high, they had a big old bloom on it, and the thing bent like this. It bent over. I said, man, i got to put a stick on that or something to straighten it up because it's going to break off. It's going to bend or something. Just, it, you know, it was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. And then along about here, it bent over like that. I said, man, the thing's bending over. It's got... It, it, it got too much flower up here on it. It's a big leaves and it was all color and beautiful. Thing bent over like that. I said, oh, wow. I said, but God's wisdom is in this thing somewhere. Another what? how is it? Then I started seeing shoots coming off of that stem that was bent over like this. Up three of them and up and more flowers were blooming here. So here's one that went over. Here's all these flowers, and then here's about three more coming up from the stem like this. The plant wasn't about to die. It wasn't about to perish. It's God's wisdom, praise the Lord, it still survived. And I'm telling you that in the things of God, there is the wisdom of the Lord. And if we can say, God, if you will help us, Jesus, to see the spiritual things and the value there, we can walk with you and believe in you because you know, in our walk with God, the enemy throws all kind of things at us. And he'll try to attack you and make you say, don't believe God. Don't trust the Lord. No, no, no. Everything, praise the Lord, that God has made and created, there's wisdom in it. And we can see the wisdom and the beauty of God and all these kind of things. Praise the Lord. I see a little old bird flying around. He's got a little old head about the size of my thumb. 
It's got a brain in it. I don't know how big the brain is. It's got to be the size of a pea. But that brain and that bird knows how to build a nest. He knows when he or she is going to have her eggs and they're going to be ready to have, they're going to need to be hatched. She's going to know how to feed those things. She's going to know how to protect them. She's got to make sure some alley cat doesn't climb up that tree and get to that nest, so she's got to build that nest just right. And that old cat will come around and he'll be looking around and everything, and she'll dive at that cat and he'll jump away and he'll dive at her again and everything. Or she'll fall, I've seen them, fall on the grass and flutter the wings and the cat will run after him and she'll jump up and fly way off. The nest is here, but she's going that way. And she's fluttering and fluttering and hear the old cat around that. When she gets the cat way off over there, then she'll leave him come back to her nest. She got him away. How does she know to do that stuff? You understand what I'm saying? But in all of God's creation, there is the wisdom of God to help us to understand, praise the Lord, that I can make it. I can get there because God, praise the Lord, has put it in all of his creation Therefore, he has given us also the ability to understand the wisdom of God that we might know how to walk with the Lord and serve him and to live for him with all of our hearts. Let me finish reading this verse of scripture here. I'm reading verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Invisible things are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. We see the things that are made. We can perceive those things. But the things that are spiritual, we understand because we can understand those spiritual things. Even his eternal power and Godhead, that's spiritual things. So that they who do not serve the Lord, that is, they are without excuse. So that we can learn from the things of God and the handiwork of God, all the things that God has for us. Now, uh, I want you to notice here uh, one more verse I'm going to read to you over in Psalms. It's not in your scriptures here, but I'm going to read it to you. It's over in Psalms, and it's in uh, Psalms 8, 3. Look at this very closely here. Psalms 8 and 3. It's not in your, your notes here. Psalms 8, 3. Thank you. When I consider thy heavens... The work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? So God is so merciful and so good to us. Folks, he doesn't need any of us, yet he loves He loves us. He doesn't need us for anything. But he loved us, past tense, and he loves us, present tense. Because the Lord, praise the Lord, paid the price on Calvary that we all might be saved. And anybody can be saved. Anyone can be saved. His grace is for everybody. Praise the Lord. Uh, I thank God for the truth of the Lord. Look at number three here. Anybody can be saved. Look at 2 Peter 3, 9. 
Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Look at this closely now, and stay with me on this. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, if you've got this in your Bible, I'm going to, I'm going to take you somewhere with this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some men count slack, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. God wants everybody to be saved. Not willing that any should be perished, but that all should come to repentance. Praise the Lord. And in conjunction with that verse of Scripture, one found in 1 Timothy 2 and 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth. This is God's will for all men to be saved. Now, hang on to your bonnet. Everybody with me? Get your feet in, both feet in. Hang on. Go for a ride here. John Calvin who was a, uh, back in the Middle Ages, back in, actually in 1537, 36, 37, 38, knowing it through there. John Calvin was an evangelist, and he was the founder of what is now known as the Presbyterian Church. But John Calvin was a brilliant man. He was a lawyer, he was a very smart man. He broke away from the Catholic Church and founded the Presbyterian Church. Back then, that was quite something. But John Calvin introduced a doctrine that had ever been known or had ever been taught about before. And he said that we were predestined to be saved or lost. It's called the doctrine of predestination. When you're born, you're already predestined to be saved or lost. And he uses a couple of places in the Bible. I could take and spend an hour on this, showing you all these verses, scripture, and everything about it. I'm going to cut, cut to the chase very quickly here, though. What he was interpreting, though, he said that he showed scripture where it says, we are predestined with the foreknowledge of God. We are predestined to be saved or lost. And he talks all about we, 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 we. What he does not, did not understand and did not perceive, and I'm no smarter than this guy by, by no long shot. I'm just saying that us apostolic today with the spirit of the Holy Ghost in us, we understand that that word we does not refer to you and me as individuals. It refers to the church collectively. The church was predestined to be saved. In other words, from the beginning of time, God predestined the church to be. I could take you to the Old Testament and show you where it talked about the coming of the kingdom of God. It's in the book of Daniel, where it was back way over there, that there would be one day the church in the world, that the Gentiles would also be joint heirs with the Jews of this salvation. In other words, we were predestined. I was not predestined to be saved. You were not predestined to be saved. In other words, we were not born to be saved or lost as individuals, but the body of Christ, the church, is predestined to be saved. That's why you want to stay in the church. Don't get out of the church. Stay in the church. I don't mean the building either. I'm talking about the body of Christ, God's people, God's, God's spirit, God's way. Praise the Lord. The church is all over the world. Well, anyhow, I'm just pointing out to you here that this was where John Calvin went wrong on it. 
and he had that predestination. The Baptist church later picked up part of the doctrine and said, that's a little strong for us. We're not going to go that route. But we're going to say that once saved, always saved. If you get saved, you're going to be saved. You can't ever be lost. Once saved, always, always saved. You know, and so you're not born to be saved or lost, not predestinated. Once saved, always saved. And yet the Bible talks like, I can take you to the, like last week we talked about the first uh, two chapters in the book of the, no, chapters two and three, rather, in, in the book of Revelation. First three chapters, chapters two and three, and specifically the seven churches of Asia. And just like Laodicea, the Lord said, if you're, you're lukewarm, if you don't either get right with God, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Every one of those churches, the Lord said, if you don't get right and you don't repent and turn from your ways that you're in, I, I'll forsake you. I'll leave you. I'll, I'll, I'll take your candlestick out of the, out of the, in other words, you can be lost. So even though we're saved, we can be lost. So not once saved, always saved. No. Once saved, they always saved. Did we stay in the faith, stay in the church, walk with God, serve the Lord? But we want to stay, keep on walking with the Lord. And that's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have preaching in the word of God. That's why we come to church. You can't say, oh, I'm saved now and I don't need to come to church. And I'll stay home and I'm just going to uh, just stay home and uh, watch television now. I'm all, I'm all set to go. No, 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 no. no love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's all of a sudden is going to be gone. So we have to keep going to, to the house of God, keep worshiping God, keep praising the Lord. I know sometimes we're sick, sometimes we're afflicted, sometimes there's reasons why we can't. But as much as life within us, praise the Lord, because God has promised us that he's going to give us his word. Let me move on here. Uh, anyone can be saved. Anyone can be saved. I think uh, we're reading those scriptures to you, Second Peter and First Timothy. I want you to look at Matthew 14, 14, Matthew 14, 14. Go to this verse of scripture with us. I like this verse of scripture. I just love it. Now, this is where Jesus fed the 5,000 in the wilderness. Look at this. Look at it closely. Stay with me. I'm reading verse 14, 14, 14 of St. John, of Matthew, rather. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. Oh, I love it. And this, this word moved with compassion is found several times in Jesus's ministry. He would see the people and he'd be touched and moved with compassion. And when he was moved with compassion, folks, he did something. He did something. The Lord can be touched. And one place in the Bible says he can be touched by our infirmities. Our infirmities. He can be touched. So Jesus was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. Now look what happened. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this was a desert place or a deserted place. It wasn't that much of like sandy desert. It wasn't that kind of a desert. Later on, it talked about them sitting down on the green grass and eating. This is a deserted place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away. This is what the disciples suggested that Jesus do, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals or food. Verse 16, but Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Now, I've got it in your notes there. They need not depart. 
Let me just say this. Nobody ever has to leave Jesus. Nobody. You don't have to say, oh, well, my problem's too big. Oh, my situation's too awkward. My, the Lord doesn't deal with my situation. I can't be saved. Hey, no, 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 no. The Lord said they need not department. The depart. Nobody. There was 5,000 men besides the women and children, the Bible says, at this time. And whenever the Lord said, had them all sit down, and, down, and they, they found a little boy with some fish and bread. And he brought it, two loaves, some, I think five loaves of bread, two fishes. I forgot, I think it's two fishes, five loaves of bread. He brought the bread and said, what do you got? I got these little loaves of bread and fishes. The little boy said, yo, give them to the master. And Jesus sat there and began to break that stuff and break it and break it and break it because he was God manifest in flesh. It never ran out. It kept on, kept on. And he fed the 5,000 men. They all sit down in groups of, of 50s and 100s, and it says it on this grass. And they took out food and fed all of them because nobody, nobody had to go be looking for food. The Lord would supply the need. Now, I'm saying that to you to say that nobody ever has to leave God. Nobody ever has to say he doesn't meet, he can't, he can't meet my needs. He can't, you know, I, he, he just, he won't feed me. He won't take care of me. No, he won't do anything for me. He won't save me. He won't deliver me from my past. I got, Brother Myers, I got some crazy things back there. No, 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 not for the Lord. Nobody needs to depart when it comes to Jesus. Praise the Lord. And he goes on to talk about how he fed him. And uh, he said, bring them to me. And he set them all down the grass and he fed them all. In verse 20, and they did all eat and were filled. And they uh, took up the fragments of rain, 12 baskets full of bread and meat and they had that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children now I'm just pointing that out to show you here that in all things Jesus says they need not department depart this is God's ability to give to his people and to those who want to know God and serve God he can give to them what they need and can give to them and help them through every kind of circumstance and situation. Don't you ever let the enemy ever tell you that your, your problem is too big for God. No, 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 never. Never has been, never will be. Amen. Uh, it's uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight is a beautiful verse of scripture. I'm going to read that to you here. Matthew 28, 12, 20, 11, 28. Come unto me, all ye that weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the Lord's promise. Anybody weary, anybody heavy laden, he says, I'll give you rest. The world can't give you that. They can invent an automobile, they can invent a plane, invent a telephone, they can invent, you know, the camera. But the world can't give you rest, but God can give you that. When you're troubled inside and turned upside down inside, he can give you rest on the inside. Thank you, Jesus. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. He didn't say, come unto me, uh, those that are not doing so bad. No, no, weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly. The Lord never made himself to be high-minded when he came to this world. Born in a manger. Born in a stable and laid in a manger. Praise the Lord. Just a little, just so insignificant. 
Jesus was a poor man all his life on this earth. He purposely was poor man. He was God manifested flesh and owned all the cattle on a thousand hill. But he was still, praise the Lord, a poor man in this world so that nobody could ever feel like he's too up there for me. I'm down here. If you're a poor man, welcome to the fold. Praise the Lord. The Bible says the poor heard him gladly. And Jesus responded to the poor. I could, that's a whole message in itself. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. This is verse 29. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I remember years ago, I was a young man, a student up at the Apostolic Bible Institute in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I remember we were having service one Sunday night, and people came down the altar and they were praying. There were some people that came there that were that were studying. They were studying for a doctorate degrees at the University of Minnesota over in Minneapolis, and they came to that service and they sat in that service. And there was a uh, there was a uh, a young man that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, was praising the Lord. And he was just been praying and praying and praying and praying. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost came on him, and he started speaking in tongues. And he was just standing and praising and worshiping the Lord. And a couple of those doctors came down and asked to see the pastor. And they said to the pastor, you see that young man receiving the Spirit of God? They said, before he received that Spirit, we know for a fact because we have already tested this out. If you had put on him monitors, test his heartbeat, when he was praising and worshiping God, said it would be it'd be really going. But they said as soon as the Spirit of God came on him, and that's what he's doing now, speaking in tongues, and he's got the Spirit on him, apparently that's what you teach, and you believe that. If we were to put those same tests on him, it would look like almost like he was sleeping. Now, this is what they said to the pastor. They said that. There was about three or four of these doctors, and they were studying this about, about how the, the heart operates. And they said the Spirit of God upon an individual can make them, even though they are praising and worshiping God, it can look like almost like they're almost asleep as far as the racing of the heart. Praise the Lord. And I thought of that scripture, praise the Lord, where it says, and you shall find rest under your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank God for his rest. Thank God when you lay down at night, you can sleep. Thank God, praise the Lord, that you can just close your eyes and you say, Jesus, I love you. And you can lay down and go to sleep. Praise the Lord. I know sometimes there's pain and sometimes it's dealing with problems and we lay there and we think about this and that. But overall, the Lord will help us through all of those things. And he will give us his, his joy, his peace, and his love, and the peace of God. Now, there's a verse of scripture that I'm going to read to you. It's found in Isaiah. And uh, this is Isaiah 28:11. Matthew is 11:28. This is reversed. The numbers are reversed. This is Isaiah 11:28. Look at this one. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Now, this is a prophecy in Isaiah concerning the coming of the of the church and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. 
For with stammering lips another tongue will I speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. And this was Israel's fault and failure as a nation. Now, the first early church were Jews. They were Jews. But as a nation, Israel rejected the message of the gospel, and they rejected Jesus Christ, as you well know. Now, I'm simply pointing out to you here that was prophesied over there that this would be a rest. So when those people told the pastor that whenever they start speaking other tongues, there's a rest that comes over them. Man, it's in the word of God. There it is. And they're just now discovering that. I mean, they got big degrees and they're finding all out about it. You know, everybody say, praise the Lord. God is good. Now I'm going to finish this up, wrap it up here. Number four here. If learning the laws and the hidden secrets of created things can advance human life, how much more can our knowledge of the Creator do for us? A, it can be found in God's Word, the Bible. And then here is how to live for God, Romans 12, 1, 3. How to be blessed of God. I'm going to talk to you about, I think I've got just about five minutes, and so let me cover these real quickly here. Uh, how to live for God. Look in Romans, and uh, Romans 12 and... One and two. Look at this very closely here. This is uh, how to live for God. Here it is. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. How to be blessed of God. How to be blessed of God. Praise the Lord. This is over in Psalms. Look at this. Look in Psalms. Psalms 1, and I couldn't pass this one up. Psalms 1, and uh, 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, this is how you can be blessed of God. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. That's the path of sinners, like where they can go in their, their, their path. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Don't be one of those. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit, bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Notice here his fruit in his season. Sometimes you have to wait on God. Sometimes you have to let God develop you for what he's going to use you for. His leaf shall also not, will not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Praise the Lord. And then in Hebrews 12, 14, Hebrews 12, 14, praise God. And this is a, a verse of scripture here that I think we referred to last week. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Follow peace with all men and holiness. 
without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men. Now, the following peace with all men does not mean without which no man shall see the Lord, because another scripture says that follow peace with all men as much as life within you. Some people you could try to follow peace with, and you won't have peace with. You won't have peace with them. But you do it as best you can. But this one says follow peace with all men and follow holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. That part is referred to the holiness part. Let me move on here according to the other scriptures. So I'm going to then finally on verse 4 here. Verse 4. Number 4, I should say. Uh, John 3 and, and 3, 1 through 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knew us not because it knew him not. Now, look at the, the second and the third verses here. This is talking about the coming of the Lord now. And this is how to be rapture ready. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear how we shall be. We don't know how we're going to be. We don't know how we're going to look. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. And that's, the, that's it right there. We'll be like him. For we shall see him as he is. The Bible says we'll have a glorified body like as unto his glorified body. So just as Jesus was glorified when he appeared unto Paul on the road to Damascus, he was brighter than the noonday sun. That's his glorified body that Jesus is in now. Amen. And we'll have a body like as in his glorified body because we'll look upon him. But we shall see him as he is. That's the last line in that verse. Look at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. In other words, keep yourself clean and holy and godly before the Lord, even as he is pure. And then finally, I'm going to read the last verse here. This is found in Colossians, and my time is gone. You've been a great audience. Chapter 3 and verse 1 through 10. If ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Look at verse 3. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That is dead to those, those things of the world that, that used to be attracted to. Verse 4. When Christ, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, Fornication, fornication, it names all of these kind of things. And I won't read all that down down for you. It talks about don't be angry and don't commit a, adultery and don't do all these kind of things. In the verse 6, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And God has given you and I a wonderful hope that we have folks that the world doesn't have. Aren't you glad for God's great truth? Aren't you glad for the blessings of God? Let's stand to give God the praise and the glory, and let's just thank him together right now. Would you do that? Praise God. You've been a good audience tonight. Jesus, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the hope that you give us, God. Thank you for your people. Oh, Lord, God bless your people. Bless every man, every woman, every young person, every... A child, if there's children in here tonight, bless each and every one of us, God, as we walk with you and believe in you, Lord. Help us, Jesus, to get close to you, Lord, and draw very near unto you, Lord. 
knowing, Jesus, that your grace, praise the Lord, will reach for us and we will respond by believing in you and believing your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.